0: Is this really Brian? It is really Brian. Is that really Tom? Yes, it really is.
1: <laughs>
2: and I'm Rockin' Randy filling in for Pat. Yeah, that's right. We've we've got a kid here named Rockin' Randy who's a big fan of yours.
1: Rockin' Randy, hello. How you doing?
2: I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing?
1: <laughs> Very well, thanks.
0: Yeah. It's, a, it's an honor to talk with you. It really is. Uh Thank I, you. Forgive me if I all of a sudden geek up in the middle of this interview, but uh, <laughs> no. as a, I've been a huge fan since, uh, God, I don't know, since sheer heart attack probably.
1: Wow. I'm serious. And, and
0: this may be the first interview uh, of somebody from Queen that will air on a country radio station. Wow. Has, has that ever happened before? I don't
1: think so. Can That's we say cool. like Can we that. say this is a first? I think so.
2: This is a landmark in the Queen's existence. It's
1: <laughs> a landmark in anyone's existence. I love
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why that is. The reason I got into radio back in uh, 1982 was in my eighteen year old brain I thought the easiest way to meet Queen, my favorite band, would be to get into radio. And as luck would have it, my first job was in country radio and I've been in country ever since. That's just kinda of the way the gods have worked with me. So this is it. This is kind of the pinnacle of, of my career, right Good. here. You better enjoy it. Right now. <laughs> <It's both laughs> Uh you know one thing just just so we can kind of tie everything together initially uh there, so many country artists uh, have have cited queen as an influence garth brooks i think probably the biggest name uh one of the more contemporary guys keith urban um do you ever cease being amazed by by people who uh, uh come along and enjoy some success in music that that cite you guys as an influence
1: yeah it's i feel very Very honoured and very fortunate. Um, Yeah, it means a lot. I mean, to me, I don't like all this pigeonholing. You know, I I always thought that music is music and passion is passion, you know. So to me, it's a little unfortunate that the divides are so rigid in a sense. And I like the fact that country artists get into us and, and I get into them, you know. Um, well, but it means a lot to me. Yeah, it's great.
0: Uh, are there are there any country artists off the top of your head that uh, that you enjoy or that, that you're impressed with?
1: Well, Dwight Dwight Yoakam, I know, has done a great version of um, Crazy Little Thing, which I have. I mean, I have a lot of stuff on my iPod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, Hazy Dixie, of course. I mean, Hasty Dixie, <laughs> get out of here! Really? I love those guys. <laughs> <laughs> so don't
2: yeah.
0: don't tell me you're a fan of the song "Keeping Your Poop in Keeping Your Poop in a Jar."
1: I have it on my iPod. And we <laughs> <have it. laughs> keeping Keeping Your Poop in a Jar is a big favorite.
0: <laughs> You've got to be kidding me! Oh my god. <sighs>
1: In fact, we've played it at the show you've before, pl- oh, now, before I just the gig.
0: You have not.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> swear to God. <laughs> have you really? Cause, yeah, because I give stuff to our sound mixer to play, and something's <laughs> kind of weird and unusual. And yeah, we've played that. People like
0: it. Now You <laughs> mentioned uh, you know, Dwight Yoakam's cover of Crazy Little Thing. Um, yeah. what's, the, what's the strangest cover of a Queen song that you've ever heard? <laughs>
1: Um, there's a great version of We Are the Champions by some guy who's done it in a twenties kind of um, temperance seven kind of style. I've forgotten his name. If you prepared me, I would have had it in front of me. But I had that on my album. That's that's pretty outrageous. Like a,
0: like a style of Seaside Rendezvous, that kind of.
1: Yes, yeah, kind of like, but very genuine, very authentic. You know, done with all the right instruments, uh, but sort of like a Dixieland jazz version of, of We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions. That's pretty bizarre.
0: Now, when, when you guys were at your zenith in, in you know the late 70s through the mid-80s, and that's that's when I was a real fan, and it used to just cheese me off that re- critics never gave you guys your due, especially here in America.
1: Yes, it's odd, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it is. We've got used to it.
0: <laughs> but do you feel, after all these years, you have become one of a handful, I think, of iconic bands of that era... Do you feel vindicated at all, or is? You... <laughs> um,
1: I don't know. I think you have to learn to to be your own judge. You know, you have to stand or fall on your your own convictions. And and we see all this stuff. You know, it kind of drifts by, and some of it's great. You know, some people love us, and then some people hate us and stuff. And occasionally, people hurt us. You know, and people ignore us and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that's all. Part of being an artist, I think most artists would, would tell you the same thing. I mean, we have attracted a lot of kind of vilification, I have to say, in, in some quarters. Um, but um, but
0: when you have so many bands today that cite you as an influence or you have movies like Wayne's World that come along or, mm-hmm. you know, that it, 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 you've got to sit back at the end of the day and go, yeah, we were doing something right.
1: Okay, I'm vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, to tell you what, I mean, to, to know that someone like Dave, Dave Grohl... Um,
0: of the Foo Fighters, yeah.
1: Foo Fighters, you know, and, and uh, Taylor Hawkins. To, to think that those guys kind of respect us and revere us and whatever, I mean, that means more than any any kind of, you know, any kind of miles of press or whatever. You know, it, it's the fact that people that, that I respect like us that means the most, I guess.
2: Um,
0: on this tour with Paul Rogers, and it's coming to, to the Bay Area uh, on uh, did, 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 did Wednesday, April 5th, is that the date? Yeah, next yeah. a week from Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, now, I remember a long time ago reading in a magazine that you in particular weren't real crazy about touring. Um, now that you're you're back and you're out and you're doing it, uh, d- does it feel different? Are you able to kind of savor it a little bit more?
1: I'm enjoying it at the moment. I have to say, yeah. I mean, there was a definite moment when we were putting together this tour of me thinking my god do i really want to commit for seven weeks out there you know not being able to get home and stuff i mean you're talking to a guy who spent probably 20 years of his life touring for nine months of the year mm-hmm. you know it, it, i'm not a stranger to touring and there was a little bit of a reluctance to jump back in and sort of just ditch everything at home but once you do it you get a fever. <laughs> the fever you think that the blood starts to flow and i've taken a great pride in getting fit and sort of match fit and rehearsed and stuff, and I am enjoying it, I have to say. It's been a a fantastic leg, this American, this whole American deal.
2: Now, our buddy uh, Rockin' Randy here has a question for you. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I have to ask, with the the obvious success of this recent tour, I have to know, are you and Paul Rodgers, are you guys doing some writing? I
1: thought you were going to say, are we getting married? (laughs) Um. (laughs) No, 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 no. Um, I'll ask that later. No, we haven't, the funny thing is, There is a lot to do on tour. It's incredible. It's a very consuming thing. And really, all your energy is directed towards just the live situation. So we've worked together a huge amount. And and I think the band is twice as good as it was when we were touring Europe six months ago. Um, But as far as writing, no, not much yet. You know, that would be a separate project. We do a new song of Paul's, which he he wrote in rehearsals, um, called Take Love Where You Find It. Um, That's in the set. You know, and we've been getting... You know, we fiddle around the whole time. We we adjust the set and we try different arrangements and put different stuff in. We've just been putting Dragon Attack in and under pressure. So, actually, as far as new material, that's another trip, and I I would like to embark on that sometime.
0: Um, I've just I've been listening to Return of the Champions, which is just a terrific CD. Great, and. uh I'm just want you, the the I love the way that you guys have mixed it up i I was expecting Paul Rogers to be out there ninety nine percent of the time and and in reality you and and uh Rogers sing uh, a great deal of songs on this as well and is that is that a true representation of what what we 'll see in concert too
1: yeah, we mix it up yeah, it's nice you know there are some very queen moments and uh some quite intimate moments as well, you know, and, and Roger and I handle some of those. And then there's also some very Paul Rogers moments. You know, we play Bad Company, we play...
0: Um, you do a great job on, with the guitar part. I feel like making love.
1: Thank you. I enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I just love it. I feel like a kid let loose in a candy store. You know, just being able to play those riffs. Like, yep. All right now, and can't get enough of your love. It's cool. It's great stuff to play.
0: Were you guys, uh, back in the day, were you were you friends then, or, or were you were your rivals, or did you just kind of... <laughs> no, were you... we were
1: fans, to be honest. Mm-hmm. We, Age, as you would say, you know, Paul's at, I think almost the same age as me. But in fact, those guys were out there on the road and being stars. They were rock stars when I was still really at college. Um, so free that first free album, Fire and Water. No, not the first one. You know, the Fire and Water album, mm-hmm. which has All Right Now on and and loads of great stuff. That was kind of a bible for us when we were I was, was going to say kids, but students, you know. So, um, no, we weren't friends with Paul Rogers. The only time we bumped into him was when we went into Peter Grant's office a bit later on um, to talk about him managing us, um, which nearly happened. Um, and Paul Rogers was just on his way out as we were walking in, so we said hi, like, very respectfully, and that was it. <laughs>
0: so, well, was he, well, I mean, it's, it almost makes it sound like this whole thing was an impromptu chance encounter.
1: It totally was, yeah. None of us were looking for it at all. Uh, Paul was very happy with his solo career. I was very happy with a different kind of life mm-hmm. having, having a home life and um and then suddenly you see a door open. suddenly you look at someone and you realize that you could actually interact with them in the way that that makes great things happen so that just there was just that moment yeah and as soon as it happened between Paul and me i I rang up Roger and said, "Look, this is something we never thought of, but what do you think <laughs> and Roger went yeah, what a great idea how come we never thought of that
2: do you think that uh, Freddie Mercury would have been uh, proud of the success you've had with Paul Rogers
1: absolutely I, I think it every day I know Fred would be totally into it he loved Paul Rogers and it's very significant that the show that we do now involves Freddie so much if it, if it weren't for Freddie the show obviously couldn't happen at the moment uh, he's in there in spirit he's in there with a lot of his songs and you actually you know, we involve a little bit of footage of Fred in the show quite subtly Um, so you're going to feel like that Freddie's still very much a part of this when you see it
0: you know what you went through with Freddie and and when he passed I mean that was a real watershed moment in, uh, in in just AIDS awareness and do you I mean do you almost feel like in in that sense, you transcend being a rock star and that you were a part of something much greater that will live on because that really was kind of the stone that was kicked away from the door that Mm. sort of, I don't know, made it... That and Magic Johnson really kind of brought Mm. that issue out into the open and and almost made it just okay to talk about.
1: Yeah, very true. And uh, something that Freddie was very conscious of, You know, he was able to leave that legacy and we were able to pick it up I would I would hate to be thought of just as as an AIDS campaigner. Like, you know, I mean, I'm a musician and and Freddie was a musician, and one of the things we're very careful of is that we don't want Freddie to be remembered for for the guy who who died from AIDS. You know, or even if he did change the the perception, you know, we want him to be remembered as as the guy who wrote those wonderful songs and was probably one of the greatest performers of all time.
0: Right, but at the same time, I mean, especially uh, I think uh, you and Roger, at least through your songwriting, you guys were very. Uh, opinionated at times and politically, I think motivated. And you had you had things to say, and 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 uh, you know, so I, I could see you being okay with that.
1: Yeah, as part yeah. of your
0: legacy, because you, you, you hammer to fall, for example, a great song that when you look, especially now when you look back at the lyrics of that song, you go, God, I mean, that was a pretty prophetic song.
1: Yeah, I think it's in the show we do. it Mm-hmm. Pretty much differently, but it, it's definitely in there, and I think about it every day. Yeah, I have pretty strong opinions. You probably know people who read my website get all that stuff, you know. And, and I, it's funny, I never regarded myself as a political animal, but things drag you in. You know, you have to have a voice. You have to have a voice about the way animals are treated in this world, about the way we treat our fellow man, and and the way we treat other nations. You know, I, yeah, I feel very incensed about all this stuff. You know, I'm, I, I've said a lot about it.
0: <laughs> um I, I don't want to keep you all day long here uh just a couple more questions one thing i just wanted to say was um the sound of each queen album i think this is what appealed to me about the band was i think i had add before anybody knew what that was and with every queen album you didn't know what you were getting and then within that album from song to song you didn't know what you were getting and it, I have been hard-pressed ever since to to find a band other than maybe the Beatles that had such an incredible variety of styles that they could draw from.
1: Yeah, we always looked for new places to go. Yeah, it was a real, I was going to say a hobby. You know, it was a sort of passion that we would try to find a new frontier every time, a new place to explore. And uh, it still is. Yeah, I like all that. I I love the color. I like all kinds of music that have passion in them. Was
0: was it ever tough getting everybody uh, in the band on the same page when you uh, came across a certain song? Somebody, you know, Freddie, come in and say, "Hey, I got the Seaside Rendezvous. Here's the idea." Would you guys go? Oh, please!
1: Oh yeah, there was a lot of dissension. We were very argumentative in the studio, and uh, I mean, for instance, another one bites the dust. I know Roger never really approved. He thought that was going too far in the sort of funk direction or whatever, you know. But it proved to be one of our greatest hits ever. Um, yeah, there's a lot of dissension, a lot of argument, <laughs> but um, it was very democratic. We all had a say. So in the end, if somebody felt passionately enough about their particular song, then they would push it through.
2: I gotta say, even though our younger generation seems like they're really, really into Queen because a lot of the bands today seem to have reflect a little bit of influence with Queen, but for the younger generation, if you were to introduce them one album that you were just so happy with, what would be the one album that you were just so content that you would say, just pick up that album and tell me what you think?
1: Probably she heart attack. She heart attack. Probably.
2: Which you were nice. you were sick at the beginning of that the
0: making of that album. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That was I got sick at the end of our first American tour, and had to be sort of carried home. Yeah, I, I got really bad. Um, and the boys went in and started making the album, but then thanks to God, I got better. <laughs> Yeah, and there's a lot of the sort of madness of the f- the first American tour, injury, heart attack. It's also a very accessible album, I think, and, and and it's probably the one that had the most influence on people like, you know, Foo Fighters and a lot of people. You know, the guys from Metallica talk about that. You know, it's uh, it was us, full of uh, full of youth and vigor and anger, I suppose. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you're, you're finding your your sound really at that point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And also some humor. You know, there's always been humor in Queensland.
0: That's that's another great point. You guys have always been able to kind of laugh at yourselves. And a lot of bands, man, they cannot laugh at themselves, you know, to save their lives.
1: Yeah, it's been a, a big part of us. We've always been our most severe uh, critics. And uh, I like that side. I, I think it's an, an essential part of life. I love humor. I mean, I love great comedy as well anyway. you know, We all do. We just went to see Spamalot in, the, in New York. <laughs> Yeah, which is very cool I gotta say it's
0: it, great it, I went to uh, last year in, in Las Vegas I went to the uh, We Will Rock You show oh yeah and when they, they the whole time I thought that you guys had gone back into the studio and recorded the music special for it and then at the end they pull the curtains back and there's like nine guys playing you and it's like you know what <laughs> Brian May can do it by himself. It takes nine guys to recreate that.
1: Look at that. <laughs> oh, no, those guys are good, though. I mean, they're all <laughs> hand-picked and hand-trained. And, you know, I mean, that was a great band in Vegas that we had. I was sad to to break that up. You know, you had John Michelli, who's, who's with meatloaf. you got uh, Paul Crook who's from Anthrax. I mean, that was <laughs> severe, great, hot shit, that band.
0: Brian May, I... Cannot possibly thank you enough for uh, for taking time to t- talk with us today.
1: Oh, it's a great pleasure.
0: I was uh, I, I'm half expecting that I was going to morph into Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you remember him doing
2: the interview yeah. with. Uh, <laughs> I
1: know what you mean. Yeah.
2: You've just made both of our lives worth it. <laughs>
1: That's great. We're going to see you at the show then.
2: Oh uh, yeah, you'll see Tom there. Right, Tom?
1: Come and say hello, okay? Make
0: sure you get to say hi. It, I, I don't, I don't, then I may really turn into Chris Farley. Remember when you did that one song, We Will Rock You? <laughs>
1: that was awesome.
0: That was cool. That
1: would be great.
0: Hey, thank you very much.
1: You take care. Thanks very much.
0: All right. You'll see us in the front row.
1: Excellent. All right. All the best. Bye. 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 Bye.